Reality Church is a church striving to be biblical. We pray that this sermon would help you in your personal walk. Be blessed. Good to see you all this evening as we continue our uh, study on repentance for B2B. Very glad to be joining you. Um, looking forward to um, going through this with you. It's been very helpful to me as I've been studying it and going through it, and I hope that it is going to be helpful to you as well, that you will uh, learn a lot. But let's begin with a call to worship. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, God, with heavy hearts, knowing that there's things that are not going like they should in our country right now, God. Um, we ask that you would bring peace in the situations. God, the, 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 the violence and the, and the utter sin that needs to be stopped, God, we ask that you would work mightily in that way. Help us all to be sober-minded, not partisan, but God, knowing that our first allegiance lies with you, that our citizenship is in heaven, and God, bring peace to our hearts and let us know that you are with us, and that's the most important thing. God, we ask you to help us to be a light to this world and salt that we may be spreaders of the gospel. God, I pray for each family and all those who are listening that you would bless them, protect them, and keep them safe, keep their hearts stayed on you, God. We thank you for your word and the power of it and how it works in our lives. And God, we trust you. Thank you so much for Jesus who has paid the full penalty for our sin. He is our substitutionary atonement, and he has atoned for our sin in a way that we could never imagine. So help us to lean wholly upon Christ. God, let us be a repentant people, people who repent of sin, turn from it and run from it and kill sin daily in our lives. We give you honor and praise and thank you for this time that we can come together and learn. Help us always be led to worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we continue on, I want to... Uh, to continue to understand true repentance and 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 what it really is and how and and what place it has in the believer's life i think it has a key role in the believer's life i believe that we should be a people who are who are repentant as believers in christ we should be always repentant knowing that christ has done so much to save us should lead us to to repent and want to flee from sin and turn from it. And this is such an important topic, and I don't want to waste much of your time with any stories or anything like that. I think we need to get into the Word of God and see what it says. So now hear the infallible, inspired Word of God. It's Acts 17, verses 30 and 31. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to 
repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of all this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we ask that you would shine a light on this word that we may see it clearly revealed what you would have to say to us in these scriptures. Let us see a clear revelation of who you are in these scriptures and, and your nature towards us. God, I ask that you would let us always stand upon this word knowing that it is infallible and errant and it stands the test of time. We can trust it when we don't trust anything else in this world. Holy Spirit, illuminate this scripture for us. Let us grasp it, let us retain it, and let us use it in our lives. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as we're looking at what repentance is, I think a good place to start is here. Um, this is a powerful set of verses from one of the greatest evangelistic sermons of all time. It is, it is by far one of the most powerful sermons that Paul ever preached. He was at the Areopagus with the intellectuals, and he was challenging their belief systems. Their, their idolatry is what he was challenging. And the phrase that he says here has major implications. That phrase being... He commands all people everywhere to repent. So first, this means that both Jew and Gentile must repent. That God is calling them to repent. And secondly, and most importantly, it makes repentance a command with a dire warning accompanying it. That warning is in verse 31 because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. That, who, that one who was raised from the dead was Christ. And Christ is coming to judge. So, it's, it, we, it's clear here. We must repent because one day we will all stand in judgment before Christ. And what, what is that judgment going to look like? Well, Christ himself speaks of it in, in a rather long passage, but I want to read it because I want us to get a clear picture of it. Because to understand the warning helps us to understand the command for repentance. In Matthew 25, starting in verse 31, we're going to go to verse 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Now, we know when he comes with his angels, and his glory is when he comes to resurrect us all. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. 
I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when he did, and when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer to them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Very, very powerful set of scripture there. And this makes me truly want to know what repentance is. Because if repentance is the command or because we're going to face that judgment, I want to know how to properly repent. So, I need to know what repentance needs to look like in my life. I think a great place to start is what repentance is not. Um, what actions do we sometimes take that are not repentance, even though we may call it repentance or think it's repentance? Thomas Watson in the Doctrine of Repentance. Awesome book so far. He, he has a tremendous chapter on this. And it's all about what he calls counterfeit repentance, or what I'm going to call, what is not repentance. And the first thing he mentions, and I think it's very appropriate, um, culturally and and really if we think about it in our own hearts we need to know this repentance is not feeling bad and in scripture we have a pretty clear um, example of this in the person of Judas I want to read to you Matthew 27, 3 through 5. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Hmm. Saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hung himself. He felt bad. Jesus felt terrible for betraying the one who had been by his side for three years, teaching him all of the kingdom principles and 
and, and preaching the most beautiful, eloquent sermons of all time. And he felt bad for doing it. But you need to understand something. He did not repent. How do I know that? Well, for one thing, the Bible would have been clear that he repented if he had repented, okay? The Bible wouldn't hide something that important for mystery. Peter repented. Judas did not repent. He took the easy way out because he was feeling bad. There was no repentance there. And I think Thomas Watson puts it very clearly. Repentance depends upon a change of heart. For repentance to be present, there must be a change of heart. So, that's very clearly stating that it's not just feeling bad about your sin. Because most people do. That doesn't mean you repent. It just means you feel bad. So, in, in the book, the second um, thing that he calls um, a counterfeit repentance is a resolution against sin. A resolution against sin. We've all heard it. We've all said it. I, I'm going to stop doing this. I promise. We make those resolutions. We're going to stop sinning. We're going to stop doing that thing that we shouldn't be doing. We're going to not do it anymore. Uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 2.20. Jeremiah 2.20 says something about that. It says, For long ago I broke your yoke and burst your bonds, and you said, I will not serve. Yes, on every high hill and under every green tree you bow down like a whore. Now that's, that's what the scripture says. And this goes into that. He it says, it's, the, the person says, I will not serve. I will, I will not serve. You know, because you broke my yoke, right? You know, you broke the yoke of bondage. I won't serve. Well, if you look at the literal, what it means in Hebrew, it means I won't transgress. I won't become a slave. And what happened? Under, on every high hill and under every green tree, they were bowing down to that sin, becoming a slave. 
So a resolution against sin is not repentance. What leads to a resolution tells a lot about how true and trustworthy those things really are. Um, the first thing, and this is the reason we can't trust a resolution, you know, against sin as, as true repentance is that a lot of times a resolution is not because it's sinful, but because it's painful. It's causing pain or or, or some kind of strain in relationship or something of that nature. We see this actually a lot of times in addicts. Those who say, oh, I've got to get out of this. I'm, I'm, you know, it's killing me. So they go to rehab. But then a lot of times they come out of rehab and they go straight back to it. Um, it it's very similar in that to just resolve not to do something because it's painful doesn't necessarily mean that you've turned away. You've just maybe ran away for a little bit to get some relief. But the other thing is also very, I think, very interesting. The fear of death and hell leads a lot of times to a resolution against sin. Lord, if you will just let me live. How many times have you heard that on like a movie or, you know, and read it in a book or, you know, thought it yourself, you know, who knows? Lord, if you'll just let me live, I, I won't ever do this again. That's a resolution against sin. And, 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 and Thomas Watson says this, Trust not to a passionate resolution. It is raised in a storm and will die in a calm. He mentions it a lot in the book, and he talks about how a lot of times those deathbed resolutions against sin, well, once the person's out of the deathbed, a lot of times that resolution goes out the window and they go right back to what they were doing because there's no true repentance. The next thing that is mistaken for repentance is leaving sin. That's, you know, quitting it, not doing it anymore. Um, Micah 6, 7 talks about this um very interesting verse here um it says will the lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil shall i give my firstborn for my transgression the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul um very interesting rhetorical questions being asked here the writer is ask, asking rhetorically uh, what god will accept you know what god what will you accept um, because it takes more than leaving sin for God to accept it. It takes repentance, you know. Repentance is what's necessary. Repent is what's commanded, as we've seen in Acts 17. God commands all men to repent. So what can happen when we just leave a sin behind and, and stop doing one thing, um, but we don't actually repent and, and turn to Christ and, 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 and leave it there. One, we leave one sin for another. Herod did this. Herod Antipas, the one who beheaded uh, John the Baptist. 
he did this. You see, Herod had instituted a lot of reforms in Israel, getting rid of a lot of things that needed to be gotten rid of that were that were not good. He reformed a lot of things. But he burned with an incestuous lust for a daughter. And it, it's it's like this. It, it's it's it can it, it's it would be compared to a slave uh, being sold to a new master. Okay? So he's got a new master. Not the old master, a new master. But still, he's a slave. So, it's like out of the frying pan into the fire. You've heard that phrase before. That's what it's like. You leave one sin to pick up another one. Some leave a sin because it will benefit them in some way. Um, so that's a selfish purpose. That's not a purpose because we are concerned about what God is thinking about our sin, His how He's offended by our sin. We're concerned with how it could benefit us. Um, it could benefit our health. You know, we could lay down that, that sin because it's it's physically harming us in some way. Uh, we could leave a sin because of a relationship. We know that if we continue this, we can't continue a relationship we really want to continue. So we leave it behind. Uh, business, maybe. You, you know, you know you got to stop it because it's going to affect your business and you're going to lose your business or something of that nature. These things aren't repentance. They aren't. They are just leaving a sin behind. And that, that, that's not what God has commanded us to do. He's commanded us to truly repent. Um, Thomas Watson says this. He says, True leaving of sin is when the acts of sin cease from the infusion of a principle of grace. As the air ceases to be dark, from the infusion of light. So what he's saying there is this. That. Leaving a sin. Is a part of repentance. But it's not truly leaving a sin. Unless grace. Is a part of it. And we know that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. So when we repent and trust in Christ. That's when we can truly leave a sin. And I like his analogy. How he says that. It's how darkness ceases when the lights come on. You know, you're you're not leaving one darkness for another darkness. You're leaving darkness for light, and that's like repentance. And 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 I think it's a wonderful thing. And to look at it, you know, we're going to dig deeper into repentance. Um, but I hope that it's helpful to you. It says in, in verse 19 of Revelations chapter 3. This is Christ. It's, he's speaking in red. It's in red, so he's speaking. He's actually speaking to the church of Laodicea. It says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. God loves us. Christ loves us with a love that is 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 unmatchable uh, on 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 this earth in human terms. It's unmatchable, and He reproves and disciplines us because of that. He loves us. He wants to lead us to repentance. His kindness leads us to repentance. That's what that's the purpose of His kindness. It's not that 
him being super nice to us makes us want to repent. It's it's that his kindness is meant to put he, he is in kindness pushing us towards repentance through conviction of sin, through through the through the means of grace, through all the, the wonderful things that he has given us, through the word of God which he has, has blessed us with. So he loves us. Therefore, he disciplines us. And that is a great thing. And I'm glad that he does. Because we need to repent. He has commanded us to repent. We're going to face judgment. We, we don't want to die in our sin and not repent and trust in Christ. If he's calling you, you need to do that. If he's drawing you, repent and turn to him. So, let me pray for you as we move on. Father God, thank you so much for this word and for repentance, God, the great gift that it is in our hearts and our lives. Help us to be a people of repentance, God. Those who are in Christ, let us always seek to repent for sin, kill sin, and flee from it. God, I pray for those who may hear this who are not in Christ, who are not saved, who are not born again. God, through the Holy Spirit, convict and lead them to repentance. Draw them unto yourself so they can no longer stand their sin. They must repent and turn to Christ, which is their only hope. Let them flee to you and run straight to you and away from their sin. God, help this country and help us to be better people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Sunday morning, 10 a.m., we'll be having our Sunday school services. Um, uh, we'll have a class uh, from 3 and under. We'll have a class for 4 to 12 and a class for 13 and up. Um, had a great turnout last Sunday and really enjoyed it and hope that you can join us if you don't have a home church. Um, our services, our regular services start at 11 a.m. Uh, we hope to see you there. And now let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.